Hello, hello. Welcome to the Palma Show. Today, my <laughs> guest is Sophia Burgos. Sophia is a Puerto Rican American opera singer and life coach from Chicago. She is currently based in the Netherlands, performing in concert halls and opera houses across Europe. I met Sophia while in our coach training program. Sophia has an amazing journey that I believe can help people find clarity on self-love. Welcome, Sophia. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be sitting and talking with you. Sophia, so can you tell the listeners a little about your journey and what got you interested in like communication and coaching? Oh, gosh, from the beginning? (laughs) Be here a while. Um, so I grew up in a Puerto Rican household. Um, I grew up with a very loving, supportive family. Um, but you know, my parents got divorced when I was very young and, you know, like any, uh, any home with divorce there, there's a lot of, a lot of energy. (laughs) Gosh, exactly. (laughs) A lot of energy. Great energy, not great energy. There's just a lot, a lot of stuff. And um, I would say I was a very, fairly uncommunicative child. I was very shy. I slept in the same bed with my mom until I was like well into the double digits. Like I was very attached to my mom and I was very shy. And um, I was also the firstborn between my parents. And I grew up with a lot of feelings of like, Um, I could see that there was like turbulence in my family, but, but they were so good at hiding it, but I I could still feel it, you know, like my, my mom and my dad, they tried really hard to like hide a lot of that stuff. But as a kid, you can still really feel it. Mm -hmm. And even though I I had such a great relationship with my family, I still felt so responsible as a child to like, keep it together and like, make sure everyone's happy. Make sure that like my dad's side of the family accepts me, make sure that my mom's side of the family is happy and that I'm living between these two worlds. And I'm, I I just need to be the good daughter in each. And uh, so I was not a very, I don't think I was very expressive when I was a kid. And that manifested itself in a lot of different ways. There was zero talk about sexuality. There was zero talk about, you know, um, you know, the coming of age time. My mom did a little bit of it, you know, with like puberty and, you know, getting your period. Like she did, you know, the best she could with that, but she will admit to this day, like, she's like, I just, I didn't have that when I was a kid. So I, I just didn't know how to pass that on to you. And so it wasn't until college that, um, I started dating someone who was so culturally, um, accustomed to confrontation and like so accustomed like everything you said had to have a backing like every opinion you had had to have a reason that you had that opinion and it was so confronting I mean I would explode because I had pushed down so much and he would just like force it out of me and it was the first time that I was like whoa like I don't know why I believe what I believe I don't know what I want at all so that was, and he knows I've thanked him for this. That was my first time really realizing that not only did I have no concept of what I wanted because I was so concerned with what other people wanted, but I also just, the opinions I held, the way, the, the, the ways I was living was entirely informed by my family, 
which is completely normal when you're a child. But as an adult, I was like, holy moly, (laughs) I need to get a grip on like why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I believe what I believe. So that started my kind of interest in really exploring like who, why do I do what I do? What's that motivation? And having people like him and friends and other people sit and have discussions with me and argue with me and let me practice like explaining my position on things. It sounds so like normal and novel, but for me, that was not normal. Uh, I never spoke back to anyone. Like I always just like, was like, oh, okay, sure. Good. Yeah. Okay. Mm. (laughs) So it was the first time that I was really like putting my foot down, defending myself, defending my, 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 my position and really forming my own person, you know? So I would say that was the start. And then it just kept. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're starting to learn how to like communicate with people because it sounds like that's not what was happening in your household. In fact, it was even hidden in some sense and like, but you could feel it. You Mm -hmm. could feel it. And there was like this feeling of like, things aren't okay. Yeah. And I think it was like a feeling of like, things are not okay. And I'm not sure who I'm supposed to talk to about that. And I definitely had my mom. I definitely had my mom. And, and, but even with my mom, my mom is a very sensitive. I love her to death, but she's very sensitive. She hates seeing me sad. And I knew that as a child, I knew that my tears made, would break my mother. Like she, she hated seeing me suffer, especially because she worked so hard to not have me see that, to not, like she tried so hard to keep that all away from me. So when she could see that I could see it, my pain was just so hurtful to her. And I I think even as a child, I knew that. So I would work really hard to like not show anyone what I was dealing with or suffering with because I did not want to make my mom sad at all. I never wanted her to to feel bad because I thought she was the best. I think she's the best mom in the world. I never want her to feel like she's failing. So I would kind of repress my, my feelings, even though I knew I could talk to her, I would repress it because I I wanted her to just feel okay and feel happy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was really for me, like breaking out of the good daughter complacent, like, you know, this position of, of, accept, accept, accept. Now I was starting to like push back with her too. And, and with my family and with, with lots of people, I was starting to learn how to put my needs forward, but first I needed to figure out what my needs were. Yes. Okay. So what were your needs? (laughs) Well, um, there's so many things that I, I came to like understand about myself. Um, you know, things like religion, what was my actual relationship with religion? Was I really, um, the same kind of religious as my mom or was I not? And that was a big point of argument between my mom and I, uh, very hard also for your family to hear that, like you're taking on a different spiritual relationship than they do. Um, so there was a lot of that just kind of like coming to terms with that, um, But the big, biggest one is also like coming into my sexuality, those needs. And then of course, boundaries, setting really clear boundaries with my family and like 
really being able to say, actually, this is not something that is appropriate for me to deal with. I need you guys to leave me out of this because it's not my thing to deal with. Um, but I would say the biggest earth shattering one was definitely like coming into sexuality at all, because the repressing of my thoughts and my ideas and all of these things through childhood also manifested itself in a repression sexually. Um, it wasn't until I was much older that I learned that like, it's normal for children to, to touch their genitals and their bodies the same way they touch other parts. It's normal for children to explore. It's normal at a certain age that you experiment with masturbation. It's normal at a certain age to like develop these like, you know, hormonal feelings towards, towards boys or girls in your class. I never felt any of that. Mm. I had no crushes in school. I was not super, I was numb. I was numb. I knew nothing about sexuality. I wasn't even emotionally curious about it. I was completely turned off. Um, and so it took until college for me to really recognize like, oh, there's a, there's a, oops, <laughs> to recognize that like, oh, I don't know anything about physical pleasure or my sexuality. I knew nothing. It was like a scary blank slate where there should be information. And I just came up kind of zero. That can be so difficult when it's not even discussed in your household, because I've experienced that myself as well. I was brought up Muslim and that's just not something you talk about. Yeah. Um, so like, I wasn't really taught about the basic things either. Like, oh, this is your period. And like, you know, you're going through a transition. Um, and it didn't help that I got, like, I went, started going through puberty at a very young age. I was around nine or 10 when I got my period so like it kind of threw my mom off as well like oh my gosh my child is all of a sudden yeah. a woman you yeah know, like her perception changed because that's just how it is like that's how we're taught yeah. um and yeah it ex because I wasn't taught that on top of that I you know my my father has ha has two families and mm -hmm. so like relationship building was just not something like the model that had been set in front of me was not necessarily the model that served me later in life. Mm -hmm. um, how did that express in your relationships later in life? Um, well, it's interesting because um, I felt very... So it's interesting you say that about your period, because my mom did teach me about uh, my period and she was very open about that and very uh, welcoming about that. But I, I have such like core memories. Like I remember my father was very against me shaving like my legs when I oh, hit yes. same, same. So like, I still remember being so shamed about shaving my legs. And I remember I would go to gym class where you were required to wear shorts and I would like cover my legs because I was so embarrassed because all the other girls were already shaving their legs and I wasn't allowed to. And I felt so much shame around like my body hair. And that was the first time that I really felt like super shameful about my body. And 
then but my my but my mom was very like that's stupid you should you you can shave it's fine <laughs> so mine was but, the opposite um, but yeah oh really yeah, yeah my but mom, I was also that's not ridiculous. allowed Sorry, yeah, <laughs> but 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 from my mom's side, she she was fine with like my period and like was very supportive, but she was very against me using tampons. Did and I remember, <laughs> I remember when I went to college, college, <laughs> I was in college. I had a pack of tampons in my drawer in my dorm and my mom found it and she was so upset. <laughs> I was like, mom come on. But it was just this, this idea that like my body was something to be so cautious about. So, so like there's parts of it that are shameful. And then also nothing is supposed to touch that region, not even a tampon, which is literally designed for that region. (laughs) Like things are not supposed to go up there. So I think this conditioning, I was such a, a, you know, I, I was naturally a very like, okay, yeah, if that's the way life is. Okay. So when I started getting into sexual relationships, when I was older, I had no sensation there Mm. at all. And I've learned very recently that that's normal, that if you've never really, um, engaged with that part of your body, or if you've never engaged with yourself intimately or, or sexually, that's just not going to like, you don't even have the, <laughs> the heart, the wiring to, uh, to, to, to feel those things. They just are not activated. So I had no sensation and I also didn't know what sex was supposed to feel like. So for a very long time, I was just having a sensationless sex mm. certainly orgasmic list like that orgasm didn't come until much later but I was definitely having full relationships with people where I had I had no sensation it felt the same as like rubbing your shoulder or something um but I didn't know that that was not what it was supposed to be like so <clears throat> yeah, I didn't realize that that had manifested itself into my sexuality until I was deep into college. Can I ask, um, if you didn't have the sensation, like what, what made you continue doing it? Um, definitely just like the pressure of like, you're like, these were people I was with in long-term relationships. These were not, these were not hookups. I was not a hookup person. Um, I mean, like I was emotionally very connected to these people. I wanted to do this with them. Like I wanted to be close with them. I wanted to to share that with them. And I just thought that that's what it is. Like I thought that's what sex is, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I had no one to tell me otherwise because I certainly was talking to nobody about my sexual experiences couldn't talk to my mom about that. I couldn't talk to anyone about that. So, um, I, yeah, I just, that for a long time (laughs) until by accident, I had, uh, an orgasm, uh, and, and also no masturbating at this point, I'm not masturbating at all zero. So I also had zero, uh, experience or practice with masturbation. So, um, it wasn't until I, was given an accidental orgasm by someone that I was dating 
at the end of college that I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) And, and that was my first realization, like, wait a minute, that's what this can feel like. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what that is. And then it it blew my mind because I was like, I mean, it literally blew my, I was dumbfounded after that. <laughs> like I just, so the other part of this too, that's worth mentioning is that um, because of kind of what I, being a child of divorce and, and this um, emotional stuff that I had gone through added on to the fact that I was dating uh, men. I had some unresolved issues with my father at the time. And um well, I had at the time I had unresolved issues with my father and um, along with the fact that I wasn't having any sensation, I had no relationship, no meaningful sensual relationship with my own body and no meaningful sensual relationship with uh, the men I was with. All of that together resulted in me being a cheater. So I was someone who was constantly like, it's like, I knew I was missing something. Like there was something missing in the equation, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And unfortunately that manifested itself in me being a a bouncer. Like I would bounce from one relationship to the next because I didn't really feel like I was getting literally the stimulation that one would find in a relationship. Mm. And I felt extremely bad about it, but I kept doing it. And I, I, I'm not proud of it at all, but it is the reality of what was going on at the time. I would go from one relation and overlap to the next one seamlessly, effortlessly. Like I just was missing something so fundamental to my, to my sensual self and my sensual connection with other people. It's kind of like a charge of energy that you're supposed to feel with yourself and that you feel with others that I just didn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't until uh, that last relationship that uh, I had where my partner at the time who gave me my first orgasm, um, I had, uh, is that how that went? Yeah, I had, I had, at some point I had revealed to him that I was really struggling in the relationship and like, I was really struggling with, um, yeah, like sensation and uh, just happiness. Like I was really struggling and he was the one who suggested and, and he knew I had cheated on him as well. And like, we went through this whole conversation where he was like, you know, ultimately he was like, I think you just need more time to discover yourself. Like, I think you're just missing a lot of pieces that you need to find. And we discussed just being polyamorous, being in this uh, ethical, open situation. I had no idea what that was. And I did a ton of research on it. I read this amazing book called the ethical slut and it became my Bible. And it really like, just like opened up the world to me. And I was so grateful for him that he was going to be my primary partner through that. He was going to discover that with me. And I think for about two years, um, we were polyamorous and that's when everything shifted for me. Wow. Wow. What, 
awareness on this person's part where, you know, he's an extremely pragmatic person. (laughs) He, he was very, um, yeah, you know, obviously we didn't work out and like, there were definitely things that, that didn't work between us, but I was so lucky. I I will say that the, one of the biggest privileges of my life were that the partners I had all through my coming of womanhood were such amazing men, like really understanding, caring, genuine, even in high school, I somehow ended up with guys that like genuinely, genuinely cared about me. And he was one of them. He really cared about me and he really wanted to help me because he could see I was suffering. Like he could see that I was stuck and uh, yeah. So he became my primary partner in a polyamorous relationship. Wow. It's like, yeah, it it sounds like you were out there trying to search for these missing pieces, as you've said, and the universe was like, okay, if this, if you're, if you're in, we're in. So let's, Mm -hmm. you know, conspire to make circumstances work in a way that allows you to go on this journey of discovery. Yeah. And I was ready for it. I was ready for it. So, okay. There seems to be a bit of confusion around polyamory. So tell us what polyamory is. And is there a difference between polyamory and an open relationship? I know that these are like labels, but dissect a little. So I would say that it depends on, on who you're speaking to. Different people have different definitions and different ethics around polyamory. I would say that I would say that polyamory from how I was practicing it was the consensual understanding between all partners. So I had a primary partner. That information was never hidden from anyone. I was extremely honest with everybody about my relationship status and my intentions with them and that they would be known to my partner and that anyone involved in this relationship would know about each other. Open relationships, depending on the kind that you have, sometimes have this clause of like, don't ask, don't tell. Like, I don't want to know about it, but that's not always the case. So it depends. Um, I would say that every polyamorous relationship is an open relationship, but not every open relationship is polyamorous. Mm, I see. Because you can be in an open relationship and not tell your partner anything about any of your partners and none of your partners can know about each other. It kind of depends on your intentions there. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, there are polyamorous people who don't disclose certain things to their partners. But I, I think generally speaking with polyamory, it's a bit more intentional with the kind of serious connecting relationships that you want to have. Like for me, it wasn't really flings. I never was like went out and just like slept with someone. It was a very emotional and physical need that was being met over long periods of time. And by long periods, I mean months. Like I, 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 it wasn't like a one-time thing. It could have been, but for me, it was really about finding that electricity 
between me and other people. And the more that I invited that, like, I felt like I was for the first time feeling like vibrations between me and people who like clicked. Um, it would be the kind of thing where suddenly I would see someone I remember once, and I'm still friends with this person. Like I just saw this person from across the bar and there was just like lightning between us. And I was like, is this what people feel? <laughs> like, what, is this what it's like? Like, is this what it's, and for the first time I was feeling attraction, like this magnetic energy and that was what I was exploring. And I would be very upfront with people and say, look, I'm polyamorous. I'm looking for, I just want to explore this. I'm not concerned about, you know, specifics of the future. I'm interested in love, connection, honesty in the now. I don't need my love to be defined by a future. I just want to experience it now and learn and so many people were embracing of that. And I really like attracted some incredible people, men and women. And we had all kinds of relationships. Like some of these relationships were totally platonic, but very intimate. So we would talk about extremely intimate things. We would cuddle. We would spend a lot of like physical touch time together, but, but not sex. Like that just wasn't what the relationship was. Then there were some relationships that were basically just sex and like, we had this really magnetic, raw sexual chemistry that helped me find sensation, find touch, find what I liked, like allowed that to be developed in me. So <clears throat> it was like all these little, all these moments were offering me so many like lessons, so much fuel that allowed me to just to like play, just to discover. And I had a partner who would know all about this. So I would always ask for his, um, and of course we made mistakes and like, I had to learn how to be better about communication. I, boy, oh boy, do you learn about honesty and communication through <laughs> polyamory. But, um, I would ask him or, or I would tell him like, you know, I had this experience. I want to talk to you about it. Are you in, in a position where you can hear about this right now? And then we would talk through it, you know, and yeah, it was just, it was such an intense time for me, but it was such a beautiful blessing to have that time for myself. And I, 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 I feel like I evolved like a hundred levels during that, mm. during that time. Wow. Yeah. It, sounds like you really discovered what love and self-love is yeah and I, I I it's amazing because you would think a lot of people have this misconception that if you're a woman and you tell men uh oh yeah I'm polyamorous like I'm not looking for a future like I just want to like have fun that like you're just going to get a bunch of dudes just like knocking on your door and, and creeping, but actually saying that to people is scary. Like some, a lot of people declined. A lot of people were like, uh, I don't know about that because you're, you're coming to people with a very intense mission. <laughs> you're being very clear about like, look, I don't want a relationship, but I want intimacy. Like I want to explore what I'm feeling with you for whatever period of time that might last. But 
but I, I, I'm not, I have a primary partner. That's scary for some men. Some men don't know how to, uh, are not, that's just a lot to take on that. Like they have to now negotiate with the fact that you have a partner. They're afraid that they might fall for you and, and you're not in a position to offer what they want. So I also had to have some difficult conversations with people about like boundaries, like what, okay, if this doesn't feel safe for you, is there something that does feel safe? And sometimes the answer is just, no, I just, I can't engage with, with that. And so it taught me so much too, about like communication and like understanding vulnerability between people and respecting what they want in that moment. So yeah, it it was such a, that was in, I consider that my puberty. It happened much later in life, <laughs> but that was my puberty. <laughs> you know, we think that things are supposed to happen in a certain time frame, but no, we're all unique beings who have our own journeys that are not comparable to anyone else's. Yeah. Um, so this sounds like, okay, this was a phase in your life. Do you still practice polyamory or did it transition? Did you transition out of that phase? Mm -hmm. So, um, in 2016, I fell in love with someone else and that person was not comfortable with polyamory. And that was the first time that I really went against everything that I had put together, my ethics, my mission, I put that aside because I completely fell in love with someone else. And I, I ended my relationship with my primary partner, which it would have, it was kind of going in that direction because he moved to another continent and I wasn't moving to that continent. Mm. So it kind of needed to end, but still, yeah, it, it was, it was difficult. And when you're polyamorous, I mean, suddenly I, I decided to break up with everyone I was polyamorous with. That was like seven people or something. So I had to like end all of these relationships and I didn't really want to, but I was so in love with this person and he wanted to be monogamous. So, so then I, I completely abandoned this mission and was monogamous and very happy to be with this person for about a year and a half. And then, uh, unfortunately there was a lot of, um, broken trust and this person ended up, um, yeah, it was, it was five years of me desperately trying to keep this relationship together after discovering that this person was not faithful and not keeping their end of the bargain in terms of supporting our life and supporting the agreement we made. Um, and that's the thing, like suddenly I wasn't a cheater anymore. And like being polyamorous gave me this incredible ethical standard that I was suddenly, that became my spirituality. That became the moral code that I lived by. Now for me, the idea of cheating on someone is impossible. Like I could never do it again because polyamory taught me how unethical that is. Like everyone deserves to feel safe, especially when it relates to relationships and sexuality, everyone deserves consent and consent is the primary root of polyamory. 
So without realizing it, it instilled this code, this ethical code in me that even though I was monogamous, I was still very connected to that ethical code. So it was weird. I felt like I was monogamous, but with a polyamorous mindset where I was like, this is what we agreed to. So my consent is needed if we're going to do something else. And he unfortunately broke my trust over and over and over and continued to cross those boundaries. And it was just a vulnerable time for me. I was, I thought this person was the one and I just kept trying to love this person into loving me, which doesn't work. (laughs) And so, yeah, after many years I just started to hate myself because I would look in the mirror and I wouldn't see the woman I had created. I wouldn't see that radiance. I felt that vibration. I felt gone. And I looked in the mirror and I just started crying one day. Cause I was like, I don't recognize this woman that I see in this mirror. What happened to her? And I even felt this kind of self-hatred where I was like, how could you do this to, to me? It, it felt like my reflection was saying this to me. Like I would look in the mirror and it was like my reflection would look back at me and be like, look what you did to me. I was so happy. I was living how I wanted to live. I was so beautiful. Look at what you did to me. And I, I really felt that so strongly and I just broke down. I was, I was so, I lost myself all over again. I felt even more lost than, than before I went on the whole journey So then I ended that relationship in July and it's so hard to choose yourself. Like people always ask me what, because I had been telling friends like what I had been going through for years. And of course they weren't going to tell me what to do, but they were like, why did you stay so long? Like, why did you stay five years? That's such a long time. Like, why did you stay? And I told them because the choice was between him, the dream I had with him, this like beautiful dream that I was striving for, this life that I saw that I was sacrificing for. It was between that and this woman I did not recognize. Mm. It was between that fantasy and this puddle of a woman. Mm. I had to choose this puddle of a woman that I did. She was wrecked. She was unrecognizable and I had to choose her over continuing to strive for this possibility of this like fantasy Mm. and choosing yourself when you've already let yourself get so destroyed that you don't recognize yourself anymore, your morals, your decisions, your beliefs, your standards, your boundaries, when that's all gone and you have no idea who you are anymore, it's very hard to choose that person because you don't like yourself. You Mm -hmm. do not like yourself anymore. So it's very hard to choose that. It's easier to just say, I'd rather be in service of someone who's abusing me than have to deal with what is left behind of me. So it was impossibly difficult to make that choice. But now that I did, and that was almost a year ago, and I've gone through you know, the ups and downs of like that, of, of post breakup. But I would say in the last like two months, it's why I joined IPEC. It's why I'm even doing life coaching because I realized 
that my ability to love like that and my ability to like all the things that make me who I am, all the things that make me who I am, they're my superpower. And I've been disarmed, but I can still build that back up again. Like I can still be this radiant, bright, shining light, but I have to build it up slowly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm doing now. And that's why I'm life coaching. And that's why I'm, you know, doing music and I'm doing all the projects I'm doing because I need to like, just like with polyamory, like, and I am still to answer your question in a very long form. <laughs> I, I, I would identify as polyamorous still, but I never stopped identifying as polyamorous. I just, for a moment was in one relationship with one person, but I always stuck to this like code of polyamory. And now I'm, I am polyamorous, but I'm still at a stage in my life where I need, um, I need my, my time alone to like heal. Um, and I have found myself way more drawn to women lately, the, the nurturing, um, just brilliant nurturing women who are around me. Like I just find myself incredibly drawn to their superpowers and their superpowers get me excited because it makes me feel like, and so now I'm feeling this vibrational energy towards women and I can't help it, you know? And when I feel that energy, I'm like, I need to go to it. Like I need to follow through with it. So right now I'm in a healing phase an exploring phase and a, uh, nurturing woman kind of atmosphere, which I think is where I need to be right now. <laughs> Holy shit, Sophia. So many lessons learned from just listening to you. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Once I get going, I can really just go. So I'm sorry if. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Okay. Let's recap really quick. So everything that you've said has made me realize well, we are love. You know, mm-hmm. and that oftentimes we confuse attachment with love. Exactly. Um, another thing is you said, you know, polyamorous uh, mindset. I love that because like, you're like, now I'm trying, I'm expressing myself creatively as well. So like, you know, I do coaching too, but like, I don't, I don't identify as a coach because coaching is one of the things that I have a relationship with. I also have a relationship okay. with, painting and music um, Mm -hmm. and writing and my podcast I have a relationship with talking to myself and to other people and like that's yeah polyamorous mindset it Um, is yeah it's holding special space for all these different aspects of your life and like really respecting them and giving them their own space like that's you can do that with people too and I love the idea that love love is also not defined by a future. It's one of the few things that can exist without a time frame. It can just exist right now. And that's a lesson that I really needed to learn because it can be really easy to, and I certainly, I certainly felt this with my part, my ex-partner that like, so because of how it ended, did I not experience any love for five years? Like, was that all a lie? Was this all fake? Did it all get taken away from me? But that's not the case. I did experience love in those five years. I just didn't experience it 
with an end result that I wanted, but I still experienced it and no one can take that away from me. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm receiving love where it feels electric and filling. And right now that's coming from a lot of friends and a lot of women, a lot of powerful, creative energy, energized women. And also, yeah, like, like coaching and singing and creating, like all those things are, yeah, it's, that's polyamory to me. Like that's, that's, and actually what that is, is queerness. That is ultimately what queerness is. Queerness is, is questioning your normality and, and really expressing who you are, even if it's against the grain or against what society says or against any of these norms. Queerness can encompass so many things, but it's essentially exploring the unknown. Just being willing to di- to to throw yourself in the deep end of the ocean and not being able to necessarily see the bottom of the ocean or see the light at the top. Like you're just in the middle of this ocean and you're trying to uh, let go to it. Like you're just trying to let go to, to whatever strangeness you, you want to let go to. So that's what I'm trying to inhabit right now. (laughs) Yes. I love it because like the mind likes to believe that, you know, likes to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. that like, Oh, this is how things should be, but to Mm -hmm. shift yourself from, well, should be or could be you know like the mind likes to be like oh this is my these are my fingers and this is my arm and this is my hand but the fact of the matter is it's all fluid it's like Mm -hmm. it's all a part of my body and my body is all a part of energy it's like Mm -hmm. we're fluid beings we're not these like compartmentalize like oh this is how things should be and like girls are supposed to be with boys and boys are supposed to be with girls and you can only be with one person um it's like you can do this in a truthful ethical and intentional kind of way if you would like to like if you want to explore it whereas like I see this a lot with my own family you know like uh where cheating or dishonesty happens and really it's the lying that hurts us Mm -hmm. yeah lack of consent is extremely damaging even on on a micro level it's extremely damaging and for me polyamory was freedom because it was all about consent I mean can you imagine what your life could be like if you had consent to just do everything you wanted to do like everything that you desired to do, instead of hiding it, instead of it being fueled by shame, instead of feeling the pressure of society saying, no, it needs to be this way. What if you just had permission to do exactly what you wanted to do? Mm. And you can do that. You can. It just requires, it requires that you build some muscles that we're not necessarily used to, to, to exercising. And a lot of them around communication. You need to be able to be honest with yourself and have difficult conversations with people if what you want is something that uh, that person might not be aware of or it's against the grain. It's uncomfortable to want something that's maybe not standardized. 
but then practice saying it, explore it, think about it, write about it. Like if I have a relationship with a woman that's very intimate and there's clearly an energy between us, I want to communicate that to her. I want to tell her like, Hey, I feel this like energy with you. Do you feel that too? And see where you want to go with that. And you don't have to think about marriage. You don't have to think about like, what's going to happen 10 years from now. You can just say, I feel this. Do you feel this? Like, how do we want to explore that and allow intimacy to happen without expectations, like learn from every moment of intimacy, just because you touch someone doesn't mean it's sexual. And just because you, and if you touch someone, it could be sexual. You have to communicate these things in a way that's fun and open. I, I hate this feeling of like, and now it's so hard for me because if I don't know people's intentions, like if they're not being vocal with me about their intentions, I get very frustrated <laughs> because, because I'm like, I can't, I can't play. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't let go. Yeah, I can't just stop. like be. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I'm <laughs> uncomfortable. Like I, I want to be set free so that I can let go. And I can't do that if we don't communicate in a meaningful way. But once you open that gate and you're like, okay, I'm free to explore this with this person, then you can go crazy and make sure you keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. But it's really that lack of communication that I think gets people really, really stuck. Mm. Um, and of course, as you know, there's a lot of differences also between like men and women, and it's very hard for men, especially to have some of these conversations. And I, I, I became a life coach because I wanted to create a safe space for people to start having conversations that they feel maybe like they don't have space otherwise to talk about it. If they have nowhere else to say, you know what I've been thinking about? Like, I really... I kind of feel like I want to explore this. I want to be that space. (laughs) If you have that space nowhere else, I want to be that space. And that's why I started this. This is why I became a coach because I want people to be able to safely identify what they want. And also how are we going to achieve that so that you can be free? I just want people to feel free so that they can experience, so they can experience joy and bliss, you know, and love and, and freedom from any of these shames or any of these societal pressures or these shackles that, that we put on ourselves due to religion or our families or society or pressures. Like that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I felt that freedom. And I think the world would be so much better if men and women and everyone in between had space to be like, this is what I want. Can I just put that out there? Let's explore it. How do I get that? Yeah. Or even not know what they want and be like, I don't know what I want, but I'm here trying to figure it out. Yeah. And just having a space to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I want. Great. Then let's make a space one time a week. (laughs) Like, start digging in there and start yeah. digging into to, even if it's like trying to figure out like again like I I come from a place of having no sensation 
no understanding of who I was. I know what that feels like to have no idea who you are, why you believe what you believe or have literally any physical sensation. Mm -hmm. So I can completely understand when someone says, I just don't know what I want. I don't know why I am what I am. I, I have no sense of purpose. Like I get that. So just know anyone who's listening. There are people out there who want to help, help you live more fully. And it's not just like a money ploy. Like it's really like, it's my, it's my spirituality. Like when people ask me if I'm spiritual, like if I'm still uh, religious or anything like that, this is what I say. Like, this is my religion. Like I found, I found, sorry. (laughs) I found my sense of moral code through discovering my sexuality. Mm. And I discovered my sense of self through art and exploration and play. And it came much later in my life. And I know that especially after COVID, so many people are just completely lost. Like they don't feel that connection to themselves or other people anymore. So that's my hope. At least my hope is that I can continue to be someone who can be a teammate, you know, be a collaborator so that we can just make the world a bit more blissful, you know? Sophia, it sounds like you're on an amazing journey on like healing the world because just as hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's so true. (laughs) Um, So if people want to find out more about what you're doing and, you know, who you are, where can they find you? That's a good question. I need to build a website, but (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm on Instagram. Um... So my Instagram is uh, Sophia M Burgos three, uh, and that's where I'm posting a lot. Actually, that's like my main connection. But um, build a website, yes, agreed. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> but Sophia M Burgos three is my Instagram, and that's where I post all my life coachy and uh like my booking page for life coaching is on there my opera singing adventures are on there um yeah so that's where I post everything okay sounds good and I'll add all of that into the show notes so that anyone listening or is interested in your services can find you yeah I would be so happy to to help anyone listening (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on my show I feel like this was such a rich conversation and I think people will get a lot out of it good well thank you for having me really